Welcome to the Allentown Fellowship Church Podcast. Join us as we study God's Word book by book and then apply practical application to our lives. Good morning. Uh, welcome to Allentown Fellowship Church. Coming to you again from our living room uh, in light of uh, our current circumstances and what's going on. Hope and pray that you guys are doing well. And uh, I think we're coming into our third week now of this, right? We've, this is our third service this way, I believe. So uh, we kind of do our worship uh, kind of before, and then we just kind of live stream the message here for you folk. So going to be taking a detour out of James uh, in light of Palm Sunday and going over to uh, Matthew 21 as um, all over... People are celebrating Palm Sunday, um, the uh, entry of Christ into Jerusalem. I remember growing up, uh, we were raised uh, Catholic, and uh, Palm Sunday, I remember uh, looking forward to Palm Sunday just, just to see everybody walking around with palms. That's about as far as my conviction went with Palm Sunday. Um, and then, of course, we always had to remember to get the palms when we left Mass, or Mom would be upset if we didn't bring them home. But... Um, now, obviously, I mean, it has a whole different meaning and uh, understanding what's going on here, what happened historically as Christ is entering into Jerusalem. And a week later, uh, um, shortly, he's going to be found on a cross. He's going to, you know, this is the culmination of why he was sent. He came into the world to lay his life down so that the world might be saved. And so... We're going to look at Matthew 21. Let's ask God's blessing on the word and uh, pray that you guys will turn over there and join us. Father, thank you for another day. This is your day. This is your word. And we pray that you would open up our understanding. Father, help us to see Christ, Father, for who he was and is. I pray for those that may be watching that your word would bring uh, comfort, would bring conviction. Uh, Father, that we would just have a renewed love for your love for us and what you did through Christ. So we pray for your blessing in Christ's name. Amen. Matthew 21. Now, what, what had just happened in the ministry uh, of Jesus, uh, you remember uh, Lazarus was sick and Jesus had healed Lazarus. So his popularity is spreading now because he raised the dead man who definitely was dead because he waited. Remember, he waited a number of days before he came when he heard Lazarus was sick. So there's no doubt a crowd of people following him because of that miracle and probably some of the other miracles that Christ did throughout his ministry. During this time, a rabbi would have a number of disciples. So a lot of times when you read through the Gospels and you see the disciples, it's not always just talking about the 12 that he chose. Um, there were a lot of disciples who were followers of this rabbi Jesus. And you'll see as time went on in the ministry, many would leave and stop following him because of some of the things he would say and teach. When he was talking about the fact that he had to die on a cross and he was talking about his body being given, he goes into that discourse where he talks about if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood... <laughs> then you can have no part of the kingdom. And many of them after hearing that said, I'm out. I, I didn't know this guy was a cannibal. I thought he was just like another Jewish rabbi 
who was going to teach a lot of good moral stuff. So they left them, totally forgetting or, or not grasping what Christ was saying. So there were a lot of disciples, a lot of people that followed Jesus Christ. Let me set the stage here a little bit historically, what's going on. The Passover is about to be celebrated. So there are hundreds of people coming into Jerusalem from all over the place. Okay? And they're coming in, getting ready to celebrate the Passover, which is a, com a com uh, what's the word? Commemoration? Is that the word? A, a memorial remembering what God did in the Old Testament when he passed over the houses if they put the blood of the lamb on the doorposts. So the Jewish people uh, were celebrating that. All these people coming into Jerusalem. Picture this. They're about to celebrate and kill a literal lamb in order to celebrate the Passover meal, the Seder meal that they're going to have. At the same time, here you have Christ coming into Jerusalem as the Lamb of God. It's a beautiful picture of who Jesus is and who he has been saying he is. Remember John the Baptist early in the ministry of Christ said what? Behold, the Lamb of God. This is the one that has been sent to take away the sins of the world. And here we are on the heels of celebrating the Jewish Passover. The Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, comes entering into Jerusalem on a donkey. Everybody else is getting ready for the ceremonial Passover but here, the Lamb of God is right in their midst, and many of them missed it. These same people who are going to be crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, shortly are going, to, are going to be crying out what? Crucify him. Crucify him. So let's look at the passage. Starting at verse 1 and 21, Matthew 21. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey and on a colt, the fowl of a beast of burden. So you can imagine here, they're about to come into Jerusalem. Jesus stops. They're in a town right outside of Jerusalem, probably about a mile or two away from Jerusalem. He says, guys, go get me a donkey and a colt. And they're probably thinking, Okay, <laughs> what's going on? doesn't say which two disciples, but they're coming up untying it. You would think, what, what are you doing, man? And what does Jesus tell them to say? All you have to say is the Lord needs him, and they're going to let him go. So, you know, it's interesting because it's like, okay, so these guys walk in the city, just take a donkey, and because they said the Lord needs it, that the people are going to let it go? Um. I think, and this is a think, this is speculation because the text doesn't say, that these disciples that they went to were probably already followers of Jesus. And so when they said the Lord needs it, they're like, oh, absolutely, absolutely, go ahead and take it. Yeah, well, it doesn't matter whether they were disciples or whether they were just, just a common person. 
the fact that Jesus commanded them to go do it and said, you'll have no problem. That's why they had no problem. <laughs> okay. So they bring the donkey and, and they bring the colt. It's interesting that they bring both. You know, a, a lot of times in the story, if you see this um, played out in the movies, you usually see Jesus on, on a donkey. Sometimes you see Jesus sitting sideways. In some movies I've seen where they have Jesus sitting sideways, kind of like his leg between or over both of them, the donkey and the colt, right? Because they're, they're trying to make sense of, well, they went to get two, so he must have been like straddled against both of them or on top of both of them. Text doesn't say why. But here's what I think we can infer what's going on here. When he says to go get a donkey, which is the female, and, and then go get the colt, which is the male goat, this would be a young male goat. It's not broken in yet. So it's what? It's not used to anybody riding on it. But remember the prophecy said that, you know, he's going to ride on a, on a donkey that no one has written on yet. Again, why? Because this is the king of Jews. This is the king of the Jews, right? So it's like he's going to be the first one to ride on it. But this colt hasn't been broken in yet. So can you imagine getting a wild colt and Jesus gets on and he starts bucking them, right? Now, of course, Jesus created this colt so he could say, be still, like he did to win. And the colt would just stop. But I think part of why they brought the colt and the mother was because the mother would calm the cold. So so Jesus is for commands for the donkey and the colt to come. The mother, the donkey, is coming with the colt, the male fowl or baby donkey. And with the mother being with the baby donkey, that donkey's gonna be calm when Jesus goes to sit on the donkey. It's, it's, it's an untrained donkey. I think that's why he told him to go get both. But again, that's just a little side note there. I don't want to read too much into that. All right. Um, look at what he says. The important thing here, look at verse 5. Like, why did he do this? Why couldn't he just walk into Jerusalem like everybody else is coming in? Well, this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. Hundreds of years before, the prophet had prophesied that the Messiah, the Lamb of God, the King of Kings, is going to come into Jerusalem mounted on a donkey. That's interesting because Jesus knew that he was a fulfillment of all Old Testament scripture. A lot of the Jews and the followers around him did not believe that he was. So here, as we're about a week away from him dying on the cross, it's interesting to me that now he intentionally is taking an active role and go get the donkeys because this is what was prophesied is going to happen. It was talking about me. Go get them. It's, it, it's no more trying to convince people who he is. He knows who he is, and he's following through on what was prophesied about him. Remember, we're, we're like a week away from him hanging on a cross. All the time of miracles and teaching and with the Pharisees, all of that, it's like it's time now. The mission is right in front of me. So they do this in fulfillment of the prophecy. Look at verse 6. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. 
they brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks. They would have taken off these outer heavy garments and kind of used them as a saddle. And he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Now again, this is something that in the Old Testament, this is what they would do when a king would come through the town. They would throw their branches and cloaks and things on the floor as the king kind of came through on his horse, his mighty horse, if you can imagine, right? But here Jesus is coming on a donkey. Yet they're still giving him this pomp and circumstance, okay? Very interesting when you look at Jesus knowing who he is and looking at their response thinking they know who he is. Remember, in their mind, they're thinking that this Jesus Christ is the long-awaited Messiah, and he is. But they think a political Messiah, one that is anointed, one that is sent to take out Rome and free Jerusalem from oppression. So you can imagine in their mind, they're excited. Yet the whole time, Jesus said what? At one point in his ministry, my kingdom is not of this world. I'm not down here to rectify the political mess that's going on. That's not why I came into the world. But this is what they're thinking about him. So you can imagine, again, go back to what's going on culturally. The Passover is coming. There's hundreds of people coming into the town or the city of Jerusalem. Everybody's trying to find their stuff, get their lamb, get family members, right? It, it, it's a festive time. And then you have this other scene where here Jesus is coming into Jerusalem and all of the crowd is going out after him. You can imagine the people that are there for the Passover must be thinking, what is this all about? Who is this guy? Right? So let's go back. Look at verse 8. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks. They cut down the branches. They put them down almost like as the red carpet treatment. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. So in their mind, here is our political king, the son of David, the king that was promised to come through the lineage of David. He's finally here, coming into Jerusalem. He's going to make everything right politically. They had to be pumped. Those same people, shortly thereafter, are going to be saying, crucify him. Crucify him. Notice that there are crowds that went before him, and there are crowds that followed him. So again, if you can picture, here he comes on this donkey. A lot of the crowd that was following him, a lot of those were people who came from Bethany, who probably heard about what happened with Lazarus. And now he has even more people following him because he raised Lazarus from the dead. So you got those people following him. And then you have an entourage from the city coming up, seeing all this commotion, saying, what's going on? They're like, this is him. This is the king of the Jews. Wait, wait, oh, this is Jesus? Really? And now they're running back into the city. Guys, listen, here he comes. 
You know, it's kind of like if you ever have a famous person, you see somebody running down the street, guess who's coming, guess who's coming, right? So there's this great pomp and circumstance going on, and yet it's all for the wrong reason. They don't realize that he's the Lamb of God. Well, they're getting ready for the Passover. They're excited about maybe our political del deliverer. They're totally missing. He's coming into the city to lay down his life. Remember when Christ dies on the cross? I forget which gospel account says it, but someone says, and we thought that this was the one that was going to deliver Israel. That was probably somebody in, in this crowd thinking, oh man, he's not supposed to be on a cross. Like, what, what just happened? Right? Let's go on. So here the crowds are shouting, and they give them this this praise hosanna which means save us save us here he is blessed is the one who comes in the name of the lord hosanna in the highest save us jesus here he is but again they're thinking political savior not redemption not someone who's going to die for all of your sins and when he entered jerusalem the whole city was stirred up saying who is this this pomp and circumstance must have been on such a magnitude think about it that the whole city of jerusalem is that is buzzing about this like who is this guy right here the focus is on the passover and that's why people are coming into jerusalem yet there's a bigger buzz that's happening this guy, Jesus, he just came in on a donkey. Everybody's saying he's the king. He's the Messiah. And it went throughout all of Jerusalem. The city was stirred up saying, who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. And so here we see Jesus coming in to the city on Passover, the Passover holiday, if you will. He will not leave that city until he's hanging on a cross and his body's taken down and he's put into a, a tomb. But he's coming as the Messiah who was sent to lay down his life. And there's, there's an irony here in this passage, which I think we see in our own lives. There's an expectation of the people about what Jesus was going to do for them, which was totally off. It was totally misguided. Totally misguided. They wanted a political savior. They wanted someone to restore Israel back to her glory days, get rid of Rome. That's what they wanted. And I think the irony is, yet Jesus was coming to give them something they needed far more than political deliverance. They needed their souls saved. They needed their sin taken care of because they're going to have to stand before a holy God one day. It's ironic that he's coming to do that, but they are actually hoping he's coming to do something that's far less significant. Far less significant. Because think about it. Okay, I get rid of Rome. I get rid of Caesar. Jerusalem is back to her glory days. You die in your sins. <laughs> so what? They missed it. 
It's like when Jesus told the rich man, what does it profit if you gain the whole world and turn around and lose your soul? Here, they were so disappointed, as that person said, as Christ was hanging on the cross, that here we thought he would be the one. We thought he was the one. And in reality, he was the one to do something far greater than giving you political freedom. And I think there is such a parallel between the hearts of these people and people today in our time. We look at Christianity, we look at Christ almost through the lens that these people do at times, saying, so what is God going to do for me? What's God going to do for me? Sometimes I hear people say, well, I did this, but God didn't do this. So why is it that you believe in God? Why is it that you say you believe Christ is, is, is the Son of God? Is it for almost like having a divine genie in your life? Well, God, now that I believe you, you should be doing things for me. And so many people have this misguided view of who Jesus is. Someone once said it this way, Jesus didn't come to die on a cross to make bad people good. He died on a cross to bring spiritually dead people alive. Our relationship with God being restored through his blood being spilt on a cross, the wrath of God being poured on him, that's why he came. He came to do what? He told Pilate on his trial, I came to lay down my life. You're not taking my life. You're not taking my life. You may think all these soldiers are taking my life. No, 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 no. The only thing that you're doing is you're able to do what my father is allowing you to do. And just so we get the record straight, I'm laying down my life. You're not taking it. Oh, oh, and by the way, I have the power to take it up again. Wow, I love that. He's <laughs> like, no, you're not killing me. I'm giving my life. And not only that, I'm going to take it back up again. So we know Jesus was God in the flesh. And this is, this is where this is all leading, right? To Resurrection Sunday. And we'll, we'll, we'll kind of deal with that in next Sunday, Lord's willing, as we look at the resurrection. But here these people have a misguided focus on who Jesus is. How about you? How about me? Do, do you really understand who Christ was and why he came? Sometimes I hear people say, well, I don't believe in God because of this. And, and then they'll start mentioning all these horrible things that have happened. Maybe some of you feel that way now with all that's going on with this virus. And like, okay, so where's God at in all of this? And it's, you know, we, we tend to take God and judge who God is based on the circumstances of our life. But God is outside of our circumstances. God, who he is as a sovereign God, his love, his mercy, his kindness, all those things, they're not predicated upon how we view him. What is your opinion of God? What is your opinion of Christ? Would you be in this crowd saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, son of David? And he was Hosanna, son of David. He was. But they had a wrong definition to what that meant. So when you say, if you were in this crowd, Hosanna, blessed be the name of the Lord. Like, what does that mean when you say that? Are you really recognizing that Jesus Christ truly is my Savior? 
He's the one that was prophesied hundreds of years before he came, fulfilled dozens and dozens of Old Testament prophecies to authenticate that he was the God-man, the incarnate one, the word becoming flesh with one mission, to lay down his life to satisfy the wrath of God. Like, is that who you, is that the Jesus you believe in? Is that the Jesus you believe in? Or is it more like these people where they thought by believing in Jesus, he was going to do something for them here and now in the temporary. And in this case, get rid of Rome. So many people fall into this trap. Who do men say that I am? Jesus put that question to his disciples. Who are people saying I am? But then he asked the more piercing question to his disciples. Who do you say I am? You think I'm just a rabbi? You think I'm just another moral teacher? Say, no, no, no. We know that you are the Son of God. The Christ. The sent one. Is that who you believe Jesus Christ is? Jesus has this triumphal entry into Jerusalem amidst hundreds of people coming there to celebrate the Passover. And he's coming as the Lamb of God who's going to be slaughtered for the sins of the world. Think about this. That was his purpose. He fulfilled it. He authenticated it by getting up out of that grave. Now let me ask you a question. What else do you need Jesus to do for you? <laughs> really? <laughs> when you think about it in those terms, what else, what else do you need Jesus to do for you? He died on a cross that you might have life, he says, and have it more abundantly. And Jesus, when he got up from that grave, he said what? Because I live, you too shall live. Faith in Christ, trust in Christ for the salvation of of your soul for the forgiveness of sins not your works faith in Christ alone brings salvation repentance and faith in Christ restores that relationship with the holy God that's why the Lamb of God sat on a donkey and came into Jerusalem not necessarily make our life more comfortable not necessarily to get rid of all your sickness and all your illness here and now there's a bigger issue we have our relationship with the Holy God needed to be restored. And that's what the Lamb of God came to do. So we celebrate Palm Sunday recognizing he truly was the Lamb of God that entered in to be sacrificed, offered on a cross, and appeasing the wrath of God. Father, I pray that during this season, despite the constraints we may have and Maybe our holiday plans are being messed with and all the big dinners that we were hoping to have around Easter and all of that. God, help us to not lose sight on what it's really about. It's about Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, hanging on a cross, dying, taking on your wrath for the sins of mankind. So I pray that our hearts would not be discontent because of the restrictions that we might be under now. But I pray that, God, you would help us to realize the essence of the, the Passover, the essence of Easter. It's Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ and who he is and what he did. 
pray, God, that you would work these truths in our hearts. In Christ's name. Thanks for listening to the AFC podcast. If you would like to join us in our service, we meet at 457 West Allen Street in Allentown, PA, in what is called the Daybreak Room, located in the Dubs Memorial Community Center. Services start at one o'clock. We would love to have you come visit. Until next week, God bless and apply his word.